Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. Yep, basically we're just some regular dudes drinking some irregular beers, talking about Magic the Gathering, usually the online client MTG arena, but not today. Yeah, that's right. This week we are going to talk about paper magic in particular, going to <laughs> your first paper magic tournament. Jeff and I got to go play in a Pioneer event this last weekend, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, as well as my first real competitive tournament. Uh, So, yeah, hopefully this will give you some tools to get you in there, because it was a blast. Uh, Yeah, tournaments are cool. Yeah. Though, as always, each episode we both bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what is on tap for this Monday night? All right, for this Monday night, we have a beer called Monday Night Piper. Ooh. This is a Scottish-style ale from Second Wedge Brewing Co. Um, it's inspired by the sounds of bagpipe practice, the Uxbridge Legion. Uh, it's allegedly drinks smooth with tantalizing sponge toffee flavor, a hint of sweetness, and a balanced dry finish. So I'm excited to give give this one a try. Yeah. Scottish style. Um, I think Jeff and I both realized when we uh, were just grabbing it right now, we've been calling it an English style for the last couple weeks. <laughs> Being, yeah. <laughs> getting ready for this episode, being like, oh no, it's actually Scottish. That's that's great. You don't see as many of these. Mm-hmm. Anyway, happy to see this. We have some magic news. The face-to-face tour was this last weekend, the tournament that we went to. Uh, the main event was the Toronto like Regional Championship. Though we didn't, we weren't qualified for the championship, so we played in the Pioneer Open, which would be qualifying us for the next regional championship. We have some other news: the Alchemy, the Brothers War uh, cards are coming out uh, in a couple weeks, as well as the Explore Anthology Two is scheduled to release on Tuesday, December thirteenth. Uh, there is going to be an announcement video. It'll already have been out by the time this episode comes out, so. You'll probably know a bit more about that than we do. Although, um, I did find something online. Jeff, I don't know if you saw this yet, but uh, it seems like you might by the smile on your face. Um, but Fire Shoes on Twitter. Um, he's If you're not following Fire Shoes on Twitter, before Twitter collapses, go follow him because he's just gives the best information about tournaments and just everything in general and does recaps of a bunch of articles. So helpful. But he was looking through the arena cube and saw a few new cards that we don't normally have on arena. So he was speculating that maybe those are cards that are coming in Explorer Anthology. Uh, We're not really going to... We'll talk more about those cards probably next week because we'll actually know for sure. But Jeff, Mm -hmm. there's one card in particular that you're, I'm, I'm assuming, excited about. So pumped. I've been asking for this card literally on episode one of the podcast. Mm-hmm. For this card. <laughs> so it's been years. Maybe I won't spoil it yet, though. We You're, can talk about that. All right. Okay. You won't spoil it. Perfect. All right. Because <laughs> I don't want to get my hopes up and then it's like, it's just not there. It was a mistake or something or it's just in the queue. That's true. All right. That's true. Um, but I, why would they put it in the cube if they're... Anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, that'll be a spoiler for next week, so just wait for that episode. We'll talk more about that. But this week, we are talking about 
tournaments, in particular paper tournaments. Um, wh- how should we start this? It, we're kind of just having a, a... This is more of a discussion episode just about, I don't know, going to them, what, some things that might... There are some pitfalls you might fall into or different things you should think about as you're signing up for a tournament or preparing for one or when you're actually there. Um, just some little tips and tricks and maybe a couple stories about our tournament this last weekend. But where should we really start? What, uh, what do you think? Well, the first thing that you want to do is find a tournament that you want to play in uh, mm. that you can get to. Ooh. Because you have to worry about getting to it. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically we, I don't know, maybe a few weeks ago, I just kind of saw that the FJF Tour had this Pioneer open, and I'd been playing a lot of Explorer, and Explorer is supposed to sort of eventually meld with Pioneer and be the same format, although that's going to take a long time. Um, and I was really liking Explorer, and I was like, maybe I should just play in this Pioneer tournament. So I messaged you and was like, hey, I'm thinking of playing in this Pioneer tournament. Would you be interested? And then you were like, definitely. And then you started like, acquiring cards. And I was like, okay, I guess it's happening now. Like this tournament. <laughs> I got I got a little too excited, and, and I went like I I picked my deck immediately. I was like, I'm playing this deck. I'm gonna get the cards. I'm going right now. I had basically had the whole deck within a couple weeks, and waited a few weeks with it, uh, being like, I can't wait to play. Yeah, that was the push I needed though. Because at first I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna go alone. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Maybe the number one thing is find a tournament that's close to you and find a friend that will go with you that will be excited because those are the the big things of like if you can carpool together to get there, that's always a good thing. And having someone to stand up and go talk to in between rounds is great and be like, I lost again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they can Commiserate. be like, same. Yeah, it kind of sucks. <laughs> and, uh, and then you can, uh, you know, hang out and whatever else uh it just makes it a lot more exciting so yeah definitely try to find someone that will go with you and one thing we've done in the past is like have a bunch of friends who aren't really like competitive players so they don't want to play in the same tournament as us but they're often like side events commander or draft side events so they could sort of be in different events but it's all hosted in the same place yeah so that you still can go over and they'll ask you like, oh, how, how what's your record like right now as they're playing their commander game or they're drafting or whatever. And so you'll mm-hmm. still have people around and they don't even have to be as or into the same type of magic, I guess, quote unquote, as you are. So, so yes. Um, there are some good websites uh, that we go to regularly looking for, not specifically tournaments, but I guess decks when you're trying to figure out what deck you're going to play for this tournament. Um mm-hmm. So MTG Melee and uh, the playing group of, of internet things, uh, it's primarily playing Pioneer. These are two great places to see what decks are being played very recently. MTG Melee specifically because like, there are so many tournaments that, are on, that use that website to run their pairings, including the World Championship. All the tournaments that Wizards does, they use MTG Melee. So going out of there and seeing who has been winning or what decks have been winning, mainly what decks. I don't really know any of the people. So the decks are the ones that you want to know. Because that usually, if the top eight of some Pioneer event recently had a lot of Is It Phoenix, you will expect to see Is It Phoenix at whatever tournament you're playing. Um, 
which is the case for us kind of in our preparation uh, going into this tournament. Yeah, I feel like pretty much everyone uses MTG Melee. Like mm-hmm. it used to be just for online tournaments during COVID. Mm-hmm. But now because they developed out this great tournament software, um, everyone just uses it even for like in paper events. So your your tournament that you're playing in would probably be using it and then it's a really great way to just say like, oh, what deck did well last weekend? You go to MTG Melee and you check. Yeah. And it was really fun because we were playing on day two of the regional championship, so we could check their scores and see how they were doing and trying to talk with each other and the other players around us trying to figure out who was doing well in our tournament. Because for the Open, it wasn't actually on MTG Melee, but... Uh, one other thing you need to do is download the companion app, the Wizards companion app, because it makes getting your pairings so much easier. Everything just goes straight to your phone. So if you don't have that downloaded, do it right now. It's just nice to have anyway. Um, but you can see what players are doing well in the standings for your open tournament that we were in. You just didn't know what decks anyone was playing. So uh, that was a little bit different, but... Yeah. Now, as far as like choosing your deck, I think there's a lot of interesting differences in paper events than online events like whenever you're playing in a tournament it's always a great idea to pick a deck as close if you're waffling between a few different candidates or sideboard slots stuff like that you kind of want to leave it as late as late as you can um so that you can adapt to the meta because the meta games evolve so quickly you know you're talking about oh check mtg melee was phoenix doing well and then like you were saying, there was literally a tournament the same weekend that was a little earlier than our tournament. So we could check the results of like, you know, it was on Saturday and we were playing on Sunday and we could check the results of that event to try to get an idea of what people will be playing in our event. Cause actually like a lot of people that I played against day two to that tournament lost their first round, which eliminated them from top eight contention, and they dropped and joined the tournament that we were in. So not only is it, like, going to influence the metagame, it's literally the same people a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, or a lot so of them yeah. were people that played in day one, didn't make it, and are playing this open. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so the stats are, like, directly correlated because a lot of, like you said, that's probably even more common that they just didn't do as well as they hoped they booked the whole weekend away to like play in the tournament in case they did well might as well play in the pioneer open on yeah sunday exactly uh Uh, just to keep it going because if they qualified for this one that means they're trying to qualify again for the next one just to keep going at it to try to get pro tour invites Uh, because that's what the regional championships are i think first place do they get do they did first place get an invite to worlds did i see that is that correct do you know yeah, if you win a regional championship, you get an invite to Worlds. Yeah, so um, an invite to Worlds was given out, and then the other ones were um, invites to the Pro Tour. And that's it was really cool to have that, like, being in the same place and also mm-hmm. just knowing it's around here. I mean, it feels a little bit different. We're up in Toronto, so, um, you know, there's a lot of tournaments up and down the East Coast and stuff like that, so for whatever reason, they feel closer together. We're a little bit farther away, but... It was just nice to have, feel a little bit more like um, competitive magic was like closer to where we live. It's just, it was nice. Uh, I think okay. of it kind of far away most of the time. Um, 
But yeah, so that's the hard thing. So, well, picking your deck in general is difficult for any event that you're trying to do. And wanting to pick it as close to the tournament as possible is really hard because in Arena, like, Jeff, you've talked about this before. I've done the same thing where you can look at results for the tournament that happened like a couple hours before, pick one of the best decks or one of the top eight decks and just copy it, paste it, play it. And you can go into right. one and, and you can just do it. Because, sure, getting wild cards can be difficult or whatever, but we have a lot of the cards on Arena. It's just a lot easier to build decks and sleeve up decks and acquire the cards than it is in person where you literally have to hunt down the physical card that if there's a big tournament happening, it's not just that they're really expensive because a lot of the cards are expensive. Like maybe, uh, I think our local store was charging like $40 for Fable the Mirror Breaker, which is just like a lot. Um, yeah. But the other thing is some of the cards that you think like, oh, it's only like $3, I can get four of them. Everyone's sold out. Like every store in town is sold out of this card because everyone is buying it for the tournament you're going to. So... That was something yeah. I was very worried about, which is why I picked my deck immediately and tried to buy all the cards because I was worried that they would be gone. And I think that might have been part of my downfall. I picked <laughs> I picked my deck so early, um, which was totally fine. I don't think I should have made a different choice, but um, making sure I had all the pieces was one of my number one goals uh, and knowing that I can get them, which I did. I was able to do that. So I completed that goal of acquiring the cards I wanted to play. So by the way, Zach's saying he's like, doesn't think he br- should have brought a different deck all, all Sunday, the whole tournament. He was like, there were like five different decks. He was like, Oh, I should have played this. <laughs> <laughs> there are just too many decks that you like. So any, anytime you see like someone playing a deck that you like, you're like, ah, that's what I should have played. Ah, I should have played that. I literally, yeah. so I was playing, um, Bant Spirits which is not really a deck on in Explorer because you're missing... I've talked about this before. I think everybody in the podcast knows, but it's missing two key spirits, which hopefully we're getting in the Explorer anthology. But it's like a creature deck with Collected Company. Um, mm-hmm. But the decks that are doing well in Pioneer right now are like Celestia Angels plays Collected Company with you know good angel cards. Uh, that's actually like top eighting and stuff. And uh, Band Spirits... Is not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I was like, oh, man. Uh, but at the time when I had picked it, it seemed like a pretty good deck and it was poised well. But that was like a month ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, metagames shift fairly quickly. Uh, I am happy I have the cards now, but I hope that it's one of those things that I haven't really felt the same way of like, wow, I really hope that that deck can be played again because I just have all these cards. Or on Arena, it's right. like, I can play whatever I want. I can... Yeah. Who cares? I have Wandering Emperor. But in paper, I'm like, I'm not going to buy Wandering Emperor. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And and that's the part, like, that makes it tough. Um, you know, with an online event, I've literally done the thing where I look at Saturday's event. Oh, this crazy, um, like, runes deck won the event. Never seen that. I'm just going to pl- And, like, it had crazy numbers. I'm just going to play that on Sunday. And then I did really well on Sunday because I was, I had the rune stack, but like, it's just card availability is a real issue in paper. Like for my deck, I played Rakdos Sacrifice. I had to buy from four or five different vendors to get all my cards because vendors just didn't have 
the cards I needed. Like, no one in Hamilton, where I live, had any Mayhem Devils. <laughs> no one had any cats or ovens. Like, luckily, face-to-face in Toronto had all that stuff, and I was able to, like, pick it up at the tournament, like, place an order online. But then they didn't have, uh, like, you know, the pathways. They didn't have Blightstep Pathway. They didn't have uh, Den of the Bugbear. I had to get that from... They Also, nobody in Hamilton had that, so I had to get that from, like, a different Toronto store. Zach went and picked it up for me. And, like, yeah, so if I wanted to make a last-minute deck choice, I just don't think I could have because I wouldn't have been able to acquire the cards I needed for it. Yeah. So it, um, you know, it makes me wish, oh, man, if you had a group of friends and everybody had a bunch of different cards, because you can let people obviously borrow your cards, and a lot of people do that, and it's like a, it's a big camaraderie thing of like, oh, I have those lands, or I have a play set of, like now it's like, oh, I have a play set of collective company, I'm not going to play that card for this tournament. If someone's playing a Cocoa deck, just don't buy them. I'll let, I'll lend you my Cocos. It's fine. Just give them back totally. and you just like keep a list. Um, and I love that aspect. We're like an arena. We don't have that. Um, you can't give cards to people for yeah. a short period of time. Um, and I, I, I really like that aspect of like specifically competitive magic because casual players don't really lend cards to each other. They'll lend like decks. They'll be like, oh, play my deck for this one thing. But it's usually not like, hey, here's some cards you'll need for the whole day or the whole weekend. Just hold on to those. I'll get them back when I can. Um, and I like that kind of team mentality in competitive magic that's like, let's all work together and try to beat everybody else. I Yeah. I really like that. Like, I was able to borrow enough stuff from you because you happen to have blood crypts and some pathways and stuff that I only sort of had to acquire like half by mana base at least as far as the expensive cards go yeah and that goes a long way in like allowing me to build this deck because like having four of every shock land and four of every you know pathway like it's doable on arena but it's expensive in paper (laughs) it's very expensive I've been turning my collection into those things I'm actually happy that Mm -hmm. you borrowed them because in all in yeah, probably I'm I have them and I'm spending resources to acquire them. I'm I may never actually play them in a real tournament. <laughs> I'm just yeah, like I like to know I have all of them. Um, yeah, so I was like that with the fetch lands when I was first getting into modern and or I was able to sort of get into modern a little bit because I had spent time just getting all the fetch lands, even for color pairs. I thought. I wasn't even going to play. Yeah, which is totally a thing. Um, so yeah. once again, we've talked about this on Arena. If you want get to get into a format, spend your, your rare wild cards on like dual lands. Same thing. Though mm-hmm. with in paper, because it feels a little bit more pricey, you might want to pick like either your favorite colors or like a monocolor deck. So you don't even have to do that and just kind of stick to, to those things. I mean, throughout most of the weekend, I was kind of jealous of playing mono red. I was like, man... I looked over, I saw somebody playing Bowman Courier. I'm like, I want to be playing Bowman Courier. That's... Me too, man. I want. I was talking about putting Bowman Courier in my deck. So. Yeah. You should. Maybe like two. I don't know. You don't need four, maybe, but... Four. All four. <laughs> I mean... I go hard in the paint, man. That's, that's true. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that card. But anyway, so uh, I would say give yourself ample time with your tournament to have time trying to figure out exactly what you're going to do. Um, another good thing to do is probably practice the format you're going to play because 
Nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably good practice, though I will have to say that there was never a period of time in the tournament where I felt like there are really cards or strategies I didn't know what was happening and I had to read a bunch of cards. That wasn't really the case because I'd been playing so much Explorer that the formats felt close enough together that most of the deck archetypes were similar. And it wasn't like just... There, there are a couple decks that aren't really in Explorer because um, they're missing some cards, like Lotus Field combo or something. But besides mm-hmm. that, I was like, I... Yeah, I know what your deck does. I know the cards that you're playing. I know all the interactions um, f- for the most part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but it, it, it did. I did feel very prepared in that sense, even though technically I'd never played Pioneer. Sitting down in front of my opponent, I never felt like I had no clue what was going on. Or I was like, what is your game plan? What the fuck is this? I didn't have that yeah. issue at all, which I was... I'm really worried about, honestly. Um, so, yes, practicing. I also had built like a pseudo uh, spirits deck. Like it was, it was missing a couple cards, but it was basically the deck. So I practiced sideboarding a lot and figure out which cards I ended up liking and how those cards work, um, which mm-hmm. was so helpful because sideboarding and paper is also hard because I don't know. You have to search through your deck to find the card you're trying to pull out, and you're like, oh "I know that's that was so annoying." <laughs> Especially in the spirits deck, where a lot of the cards are like the same, look like the same picture. You're like, "Wait, which spirit yeah. is? Th- oh, yeah, it's another blue spirit that costs two. That anyway." Um, so that was a little scary, also because you have to de-sideboard your deck. In but mm-hmm. you know, at the end, you're like, and it's so nerve wracking because there's judges everywhere, and they're like checking your deck. Um, but ultimately, you know, the judges are on your side. And we're going to we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But uh, but yeah, so never have I been so happy that, oh, I can just relax on Arena. It, it'll do it for me. It counts the cards for me. It just tells me, you have too many cards or you don't have enough cards in your deck. You're not going right. to just get, like, disqualified. It just won't let you start the match if you don't have enough cards in your deck. Yeah. Where in paper, you, um, you could totally just have 58 cards and not even know. <laughs> For sure. I think there's even an announcement about that. Like somebody found a card on the floor, like on a chair or something. And the judge was like, hey, if you're playing this card, like check your deck to make sure you have it. Because you, you might be getting like, <laughs> you might be playing with an illegal deck. <sighs> Scary. Scary stuff. I was The other thing I was just going to say about deck selection is because the cards are so hard to acquire quickly and because it's you know it is real money and it's expensive and stuff i would say your bias should be to pick decks that you like like i think nobody really needs that push anyways but unless you're one of these people that has the pro play group that can quickly change decks on a dime like one of the worst experiences would be oh i'm gonna build lotus field because I know it's the best deck, um, even though I hate combo. And then, like, maybe you do okay in the event, but then after that, Lotus Field is no longer the best deck, and you're just stuck with this deck you hate that's not even good anymore. Um, so that was what made my decision was, you know, I was thinking of a few different options, um, and eventually I was just like, you know, I should just build Rakdos Sack because even if that deck isn't, like, good, you know, it's Tier 2, which I think it is, 
I still like know how to play it and enjoy playing it. Um, mm-hmm. So like I'll as long as like they don't ban cat oven or something, the deck's gonna be something I could bring. And anytime I'm like, yeah, oh, there's a pioneer event going on. Now I have this like base of cards uh, that I can just change the sideboard or add in any new cards from the new set or whatever. Um, I think that's a super important aspect of paper that while it's still a thing on arena, like people still play their pet decks and all that. I think it's more pronounced in paper because it's so much harder to change decks in paper than it is online. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's a big reason why I've loved playing, playing arena because I, well, it's just funny because I have been playing arena for so long now that I just forgot some of those things about like, Oh, it's my pet deck because those are the cards I have. And that happens at the beginning of when you're playing arena, but when you start to get enfranchised and you start playing a lot, um, that isn't really the case anymore. You're just like, I can play whatever I want for the most part. You're like, yeah. Um, totally. Which Whereas is in paper. It's like, you're selling your deck to buy the next one. Mm-hmm. If you're changing decks at all. <laughs> yeah. And it's especially hard when sometimes you can't even sell some of the cards back because they won't buy them. Right. Nobody wants them anymore. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Oh yeah. The reason you're selling that deck, like everyone's selling that deck now. So like the card prices drop drastically. You lose a bunch of money. You're already going to lose a bunch of money by trying to sell cards back to a store because they don't buy them for the same price that you, you know, they sold them, obviously. So, right. Chasing like the best deck in the format has a very natural buy high, sell low cadence to it. Because yeah. Because you're like, I want to buy the cards that are the best deck currently. Oh, it's no longer the best deck. I need to sell it to buy the cards that are the best deck. So you're like constantly buying at the peak and selling at the valley. At the, yeah. Uh, or you can do what uh, Andrea Mangucci has like a whole uh, MTG Finance uh, thing. It's not really uh, MTG Finance, uh, but his kind of <laughs> quote is um, buy high, never sell. That's his, that's yeah. his MTG Finance. <laughs> just <laughs> solid financial advice. Uh, it just always spends I mean, as how much. Most people I know play the stock market. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> buy high, never sell. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, though like that is how everybody found out about ledger shredder is because all these pros were coming back from stores with and showing that's how i saw it It was just like they're selling this card for like 25 cents and they had as you know as many as it fills up their entire playmat of all the ledger shredders they have they're like this card is insane and you're like no (laughs) what and then of course now it's like stupid ledger shredder scalpers yeah 20 (laughs) dollars or whatever and you're like oh um but that's a whole other beast that we don't have to deal with most of the time. Though I would say, if you if you want to start dipping your toes into paper, just go find one of the decks, you know, and then see how expensive they are. And there are budget options. It's not like you can't find something that's a bit less expensive. But maybe start keeping track of the prices. And it, maybe that's a fun game for you and you enjoy watching the prices go up and down. Uh, or up and up and up and up, but um, yeah. <laughs> uh, like what is it? Haunted Ridgeline that uh, the slow land, the Rakdos Lowland is like selling. Oh, it was it's like thirty dollars. So expensive yeah. for a card that shouldn't be thirty dollars. Um, just because all the other yeah, ones, it's like more expensive than Blood Crypt. Yeah, which is crazy, and in comparison, the Demir one of the same land cycle is like three dollars. So yeah, that's 
that's what we're talking about. Um, that can be really frustrating. So, uh, yeah, you can always bring a brew if you want. Jeff knows a lot about that, of bringing brews to tournaments and testing oh, yeah. them out. So Yeah, it used to be the only thing I could afford. I couldn't afford meta decks. Or I didn't, not that I not, like, couldn't afford it, but I wasn't willing to spend that much yeah. on, like, uh, the hobby at that time. So I had a, that was my thing. Just go to local events with some, like, crazy random brew. Try to identify whatever rare is, like, 50 cents that nobody is using but is actually decent because a lot of the 50 cent rares actually suck but yeah. some of them are like kind of decent <laughs> most of them suck yeah. yeah there's always the diamond in the rock and that was like a lot of the that was a lot of fun for me and i still like do that on arena now because it's fun but it's like super costly on arena because the there are no 50 cent rares they're all a one wild card but, yeah um, so it like Saved me money up front, but probably cost me <laughs> on Arena because I'm always, like, blowing wild cards on stupid rares that I really shouldn't be crafting. Yeah, like over the top. Um, yeah. Don't craft that. <laughs> yeah, don't craft that. Uh, but, yeah, and really, at the end of the day, with all the, the tournaments and things, um, it's really good to, like, when you're even just sitting down and playing your deck to take things slow because you're probably going to get fucking crushed. Like you're just going to get wrecked. Um, it, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. Go in with a goal, have a, <laughs> have a realistic goal. Um, I mean, you can shoot for the moon if you want, but uh, be prepared to be like, I think ultimately <laughs> we were, we were talking on the after party last week about uh, I wanted to get like, uh, high up and then slowly as we were talking I was like lowering and lowering my standards to try to figure out yeah. exactly what I was going for and eventually it came down to I want to win one match uh, right. which I did so uh, as there soon as go. that happens you're like alright check I did it I can yeah. drop now I won a match yeah exactly like most of the people who are you know listening to this I assume are not the sharks who are going into all these competitive events all the time yeah Maybe you are, and, and you, you expect to dominate the event. That's great. Um, but those are the people you are playing against. Like, legitimately, like, my first opponent was from Edmonton, which, for those who don't know, is very far. Um, it's, like, on the West Coast and on the East he, Coast. He took a plane, yeah. Yeah, he had to fly to... Now, maybe his family around, who knows, but he flew for this event, mostly... Or the, the bigger event that he then, uh, after not doing well on that, uh, jumped into this event. But, you know, and then, like, this is the type of person that travels the country to play in all of the big, important tournaments. He's going to be well-versed in the metagame. He's going to have, like, practiced a lot. Um, and if it's you're anything like me, he's going to have a deck that your deck can't possibly beat in a million years. So um, there are just like people like that that you will be playing against. And that puts you at a disadvantage. It doesn't mean you can't win. But if you're, you're probably not practicing as much as the people that you'll be playing against. Yeah. If you're just one of our regulars, that's yeah. fine though. Because I, well, I was going to kind of save this until later, but... Um, Ultimately, like, it was so much fun playing in the tournament, even though I didn't do extremely well. 
Um, right. All my opponents were very nice uh, mm-hmm. and all really sweet people. Uh, and we got to joke a little bit and have a good time. Like, I didn't see... There was no person around me. Even the one person that was, like, kind of next to me that seemed like, oh, maybe that person might be taking things too seriously, ended up, I heard them being able to have a good time with their opponent too. I was like, oh, okay. Every person I kind of pinpointed being like, oh, maybe they're kind of the quintessential, what I was assuming would be like spiky or, or just like not fun to, to kind of be around. Didn't That didn't really happen. Everyone was so chill and talking about how horrible their deck was just like me. <laughs> and oh man, I yeah. wish I should have played that instead. Um <laughs> It was it was a lot of it was a good time. It was a lot of good good fun. It was a lot of good fun. <laughs> Lots of good fun. Although there was that one guy we met that was like, "Yeah, my deck is terrible, but I love it, and I'm so glad I brought it." <laughs> I oh, like, oh, I don't remember nice. that guy. That's good though yeah. for them. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the main the main point here though is like, I don't. We're not trying to say you're not going to do well, you should expect to lose kind of thing. (laughs) What we are trying to say, though, is like losing, you know, even if you're amazing, scrubbing out of tournaments is a real thing that happens to everyone. And it feels a little different when you're just at your computer at home. You scrub out and you're like, oh, whatever. Like, you know, I was going to play in this tournament today. Now I have my afternoon back. You didn't commit that much to it. When you like travel to the venue, you meet up with friends, maybe your friends are doing well and you're doing poorly. Like this is all stuff that can happen and it, you're more invested because you had to go like physically there. So I think the push is just like, be okay. Like make sure you're okay with do have having that happen with a bad result because they just happen. Like no one spikes every tournament. Um, a lot of these people are very strong players if you're going to like competitive events so you know you don't want to just be like hey if i don't win i'm going to be super disappointed and the day was a waste if if that's like your feeling just don't go to the tournament like (laughs) yeah it's so rare to to win these things exactly like win them because obviously like the tournament we were in there were 89 people obviously and then there's one winner so you're like and like even top eight, right? Like that's, that's like less than 10%. Yeah. You really can't beat yourself up too much. And with that being said, don't feel bad about dropping out of the tournament. Like the culture really is like once you lose a certain amount of matches, you just drop because then you can do other things because there's just not really much to gain from continuing mm-hmm. playing besides like practice, which is nice. Um, but, you know... Actually, that is one difference in like paper events too. That I, my experience has been often when you're like m- mathematically eliminated from contention. So let's say you in this tournament that would be three losses. Once mm-hmm. you have three losses, you're you essentially have no chance to win. I actually find you like it's super common at that stage that you get either a buy in the next round, like you just aren't paired with an opponent or your opponent does not show up in the Mm -hmm. next round. And so you're like waiting around for a match that's not even going to happen. It doesn't really have an analog in online play, but in tournaments, like in person, if you're like, oh, I won't drop, you know, I'll just keep playing. You might not actually get to keep playing. Like people forget to drop from like formally and just leave. 
And then you get paired against them, and then they're not even in the room event any, in yeah. the room anymore. Yeah, which is what happened to me. Because um, <laughs> Jeff and I were <clears throat> talking about whether we wanted to drop because we both uh, technically had the same record, but I had a buy, so um, I got a free win. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it was like that moment where I was like, "Oh, my opponent." We we're like, "Oh, let's just do one more round." It's like my opponent didn't show up, and I was like, "All right, well." Um, luckily there's other things to do. I got to get some cards signed by Jeff Miracola, which was super cool. Um, Mm -hmm. really happy about that and like look at vendors and things. So there's still stuff to do, but like when you are wanting to actually play your games, it is kind of annoying when people just like don't show up and leave, but Hey, that, that will happen. Um, so please drop if you're going to do that, like go to a judge, tell them, Hey, I'm dropping from the tournament. Show me how to do it on my phone. It's so easy nowadays. The companion app is awesome. I only have good things to say about that. I know it's screwed up in some tournaments. I haven't been part of those tournaments, so that's why. In our event, it was great. Mm -hmm. And like, as someone who's used to the, you have to go up and find your name on the pairings list and then go back and like find your seat uh, and then like report on a match slip, all that. Like this was a huge improvement. Yeah. It's just so much easier. It's very smooth. You can see everything on your... You don't have to ask anybody about anything. Like, all the standings are on your phone. All your wins and losses and everything is on your phone. You can check it. If there's a problem, you can talk to somebody. It's just a lot. It's a lot easier. Yeah, I think the next step for it is to, like, integrate deck lists because we still had to write deck lists out by hand. Um, Yeah. And in the main event, which was open deck list, you had to, like, swap the piece of paper Mm -hmm. uh, during the match and like read it off read your opponent's handwriting for what their deck list is yeah which isn't super great i did see some people who just had a printed deck list that they just like had from their computer which i probably going into the future i'll probably just do that um because i or like if the event uses melee maybe you can just check it out. Yeah, maybe you can put it up. Maybe on your melee. I don't know if you can on your melee profiles have decks that aren't part of tournaments that you just like upload. All right, this is the deck. Maybe <laughs> it's those. just like an MTG Goldfish like link that you email to your opponent. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, they should have ones that like it's the whole deck, but it's all like sixty cards, so you can click on them to like turn them gray. This would be on. On uh, <laughs> for arena where you all right. These are all the cards that are gone. Uh, if you wanted to do that, I don't know why you would really go through the trouble, but you could. Yeah, that feels excessive. <laughs> hey, some people are really into that stuff. But there are a lot of fun differences too. Like you know, when my opponent would thought sees me, and just have you have to give time for them to write all your cards down and stuff. Yeah, like and that. turn them towards uh, them and put them down on the table. Yeah, and which was kind of fun. I was like, that's the, all right, here you go. Yeah, you get to, weep. yeah you just get to sit back and you get to look at them and see which ones they're going to pick, um, which is so, because most of the time I'm talking when somebody's thought seizing me on Arena, I'm like, oh, you're going to go for this one? I know you're going to pick this one. This is the one you want. I don't know if other people talk when just to themselves, but I do. Oh, all the, all the time, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, when they pick the card that I was expecting them to take, I say, nice. But in the tournament, I'm just like, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. In the tournament, I go, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Wow, jeez. <laughs> well, you're going to take Mayhem Devil? That's weird. Oof, that's really Mayhem. weird. Yeah, no, I think the only time I got thought seized, they took my collected company. I'm like, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, it's like the, um, the old modern thing when it's like, you always have to take Snapcaster Mage. Because if you take something else, the Snapcaster Mage just gets it back. Just gets it back. <laughs> it's just like, well, yeah, well, whatever. You had a Snapcaster in your hand, so obviously I'm taking yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the card that gets other cards back. Makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, we have some more kind of stories and things. Uh, but I wanted to save that till after our beer break. So Jeff, do you want to go to a beer break, grab another beer, and then get into those? Let's do it. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by being a listener. But if you want to support the show even more, our Patreon is the best way to do that. Plus, you get to vote on which co-host you think did better in the Pioneer Open by buying me a beer. Or buying me a beer. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on which host you think did the best. Or if you'd prefer to congratulate us on our stunning success online, you can do that on our Arena Regulars Discord channel. The link should be in the show notes. All right, now... This may be my dyslexia coming in, and everyone knows how much I love reading and or slash yeah. hate it. Um, I definitely thought this said Enchant when I bought it, and I was like, oh, perfect, yeah. a beer called Enchant. Uh, mm-hmm. I love enchantments. I love playing aura decks. This will be perfect for the podcast. Uh, turns out it does not say that. Uh, there's an <laughs> accent, and it's spelled weird. Um, it actually says, it says Ashante. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it's from Mascot Brewery. Uh, it's their tart cherry wheat. Um, very Ashante. So indeed, I I feel like a fool, but that's all right. I feel like that most of the time, so it's fine. Yeah, uh, whatever. Not uh, not too weird. Um, it is also four point five percent. So a lot of little, little light ones this evening, which I'm, you know, I'm coming more on the side of, hey, beers that don't have too much alcohol in it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, oh yeah. If it's still like flavorful, then I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. I just find a lot of them are like pretty lame. (laughs) Yeah. They tend to be a little, (coughs) whoa, (coughs) a little lame. Whoa. That one has flavor for sure. Um, I was just trying to talk through it, so it got, got me a little bit. Anyway, uh, let's get back into some uh, lessons that we learned in this tournament. Uh, I think they're mainly my lessons, or they're just kind of things to think about, um, or good uh, good practices when we're going to the tournament. A little bit more practical stuff. Yeah, I feel like this time will be, you know, I've, the first segment was a little more, you know, how do you get into this? What are the things you should be thinking about? That kind of stuff. Uh, now it's going to be a little more specific advice. Yeah, a little bit more specific. I think advice. maybe we should just like talk about our quickly like recount our experience. Sure, uh, I think that's good. That can let us get into some some of the specifics of how we did. So Zach, how did your tournament go? It went. Uh, it was. It was okay. It was a lot of fun. It, it went. Yeah. It went. It definitely happened. It occurred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, like I said before, I picked my deck a little bit too early, and so kind of coming into it, I was like, I already feel like I don't know if my deck choice is correct, but eh, whatever. Um, and we ended up playing 
five rounds. Uh, I went two and three in the tournament, but one of them was a bye. And um, I had to play against... I was playing Band Spirits, and I had to play against uh, the Lotus Field combo deck, Rakdos Midrange, Mono Black, and then Rakdos Sacrifice. Some idiot was playing that deck. Um, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> oh, man, that guy was handsome, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, Jeff and I got paired against each other, and yes, Jeff won. In Game 3, though, we did have to go to Game 3, so... It was a good match. It was a good game. Game one was like I was dead on board next turn and I had you I think exactly dead with all my mayhem triggers and like yeah double triggers. It was the I was at eleven, I think, and you attacked with four (laughs) one ones. I could only block three of them, and you ended up getting me to ten and then having ten mayhem devil triggers, which I was like, (laughs) What? I didn't see it, so I was like, What the fuck? Yeah, it was probably. Oh, the, I think there was a shrapnel blast. It was the shrapnel blast the that got me. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyway, yeah, it was it was great. Uh, the The biggest thing I think that happened in the tournament was I cheated on accident. <laughs> I yeah. accidentally cheated. Now, this is a thing that doesn't really happen on arena. You can't accidentally cheat because cards will just do what they do on arena. However, as most of you know, I'm sure, you've played cards wrong in the past. Um, and I played a card wrong that I've been playing with for a very long time. It's one of my favorite cards. And there's something about playing in person that sometimes you get swept up into stuff. And mm-hmm. the pace of play, can you can get caught up in it a little bit, where people will just do things and kind of look at you like expecting like you know what they're doing or you play a creature and they immediately tap and then they point a card at it and you might not exactly know which one of the cards it is but you know it's one that kills them you know kills it so you're like okay i don't remember for me it's like a one one flyer so it's like i don't remember if it kills anything but angels and demons or whatever or you have to lose two life i don't remember which one it is but i know it dies that kind of thing you're right so I was playing against Mono Black, uh, and they were playing basically like a bunch of the the vampire the two three vampire that has lifelink and death touch and stuff like that and invoke despair. But um, a situation that doesn't come up very often is that they had animated their hive of the eye tyrant, and I had a rattle chains on board, and I cast my skyclave apparition targeting their hive of the eye tyrant. Uh, and exiled it. And then six turns later, a turn, uh, a judge came by and was like, what the fuck happened here, <laughs> basically? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I just exiled it. And he's like, mm, yeah, that card says non-land permanent. And me and my opponent Oof. were like, oh, fuck. Right. Because we both let it happen. Like, he could have easily been like, yeah, you can't target that. And I would have been like, ah, damn it. I played it, and it just, it doesn't have a target so it doesn't do that Mm -hmm. but we both didn't realize it at the time because we both were like wow what a good play i was like wow i'm so smart i can't believe i've never done that play before it's so good and i was thinking (laughs) like i've never done that before that doesn't really happen because normally they don't have creature lands animated on my turn when i play skyclave but i had rattle chains so i played at flash speed um yeah uh you can't do that so i cheated (laughs) on accident it was game three uh the judge came by, basically said, hey, um, you have a warning, or like for a penalty or whatever, if you have another one, then we'll have to give you a game loss. But I just looked at my opponent, and I was like, I'm, 
I'm gonna lose. I would have lost if I didn't do that illegal move. Uh, so yeah. this game's already over. I concede, uh, and we didn't play another. We didn't finish the turn. I just said I'm done. Good job. You get the match. I I fucked up. I shouldn't have accidentally cheated. Um, and there, him and the judge were both surprised. By the way, which I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should just have <laughs> kept playing and see if I could win. But um, it just didn't feel like the right thing. So anyway, at that it's point, hard to say like. I wasn't there, so I don't know how badly you would have gotten wrecked if you hadn't done that, mm-hmm. you know? Like, if it was still, who knows, but you think maybe you would have been, like, not favored, that's a little different than, like, you know, the high of the eye tyrant was lethal, and you flushed this thing in and, like, got rid of it. Yeah, it definitely... And I'm sure the answer is somewhere in between, but... It definitely wasn't that, but it was a card that I knew I would have had to trade like two cards for my hands to get off the battlefield, and it just would have been really, I w- I just right. wouldn't have had the board presence I had at that time if that mm-hmm. had happened. Anyway, um, and that was my second loss, so I had already felt like, ugh, this is kind of over. Um, so it was a little bit of a, oh man, I made a mistake, and my tournament's over because of it. So, as always. You know, on Arena, you would flash that in and try to target it, and it wouldn't let you target it, and you'd be like, oh, right. shit. And then you'd, then you'd shame concede, but it'd yes. be for a different reason. It would be for a, a different, different reason. kind of shame concede. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of being like, wow, I'm dumb, it's wow, I'm a cheater, which made me feel really worse, really, actually. Oh, way worse. Felt me, way I, worse. I felt way worse. Um, but anyway, yeah, so... It's worth saying, like, this stuff does... It happens. Yeah. I think... I think it's worth like calling out how the system works too. Like mm-hmm. you explained it a little bit, but basically you get warnings because you're given the benefit of the doubt that you weren't trying to cheat. But the reality is there are like what modern day cheating tends to look like is people take advantage of these situations consistently. They only point out the ones that like don't favor them and then let things like this happen. Mm-hmm for things that do favor them like oh play my skyclave target your thing maybe my opponent like won't know and will let it happen mm-hmm. like they're doing it on purpose right obviously it's not the case here but that's what the warning system is meant for if if even if you your opponent had noticed right or you mm-hmm. had noticed six turns later you, you call a judge you say hey we made this illegal move but it's been so like so many turns that we can't undo it um, and they'll give you a warning. And the idea is if you get a whole bunch of warnings, it's so much more likely that you're doing this on purpose. Either you're a really sloppy player and you, like, deserve the game loss, mm-hmm. or you are, like, that's how we identify the people that are trying to skate by and, like, never get actually get caught for cheating, even though they are cheating. And so you always make sure, when you notice something like that, just make sure you let someone know because... They might be doing it on purpose, taking advantage of you, and you don't want them to take advantage of the next person, the exactly. next person and stuff. So, obviously, in this case, it was the honest thing. Like, neither of you just realized that. Um, or, I don't know, maybe you were cheating. Who knows? Maybe you <laughs> came here with the intent to fool people with Skyclave apparition. <laughs> uh, yeah, because sometimes, you know, like I was saying before, like, you're not really reading everyone's cards because you're trying to be, like... I know what that does and all that stuff. And so you get kind of caught up in like, like I'm sure all of you have had the same experience of like, oh, this card gets rid of 
four CMC stuff in, or less or whatever. It just can't hit tokens is a big thing that I, I like. I know it can't hit tokens. Um, so I'm very focused on that aspect of it as opposed to the, oh, non-land shit. Um, right. So anyway. like you said, it's so rare that you're trying to target a land with it. It just never happens. Um, yeah. But I do want to say, with that being said, judges are people that should you should consider them like imp- impartial parties to the game, and they do just want everyone to play correctly. So don't feel weird about calling a judge. Like, mm-hmm. if I had noticed that that had went, gone wrong... I probably would have called the judge to be like, hey, what do we do? This sure. has happened. I've called um, the judge on myself many just times. Just wanting to... I was like, hey, I accidentally sort of like, I accidentally cheated. Mm-hmm. Neither of us realized. Now I'm starting to realize, but it's been way too long. Way like, too long. Exactly. I can't just not do it, because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we, we don't know how it would have changed everything. So we can't just like start over, because that does, that's not how it works. Um, right. So you, if there's anything weird that happens... <laughs> Call a judge. And all you do is you just raise your hand and you'll judge, and then you hold your hand up until the judge comes over, and they'll come help you figure out whatever is going on. And they are really nice. One of the judges, we were watching a match um, that had to go to time, and it was just crazy long. And while it was happening, it was basically like Karuga Fires versus uh, Celestia Angels. And it was mm-hmm. the, the craziest board state. Me and Jeff were just standing there being like, what is happening? Um, <laughs> yeah. The Karuga Fires player had, like, a Siege Rhino on board, and we're like, what? We just, it was just, like, happening? all this stuff. Um, and basically, they ended up going to time, and it was game one, and so they just drew the match. It's just a draw. <laughs> but immediately after the draw, some of the spectators went up to the Karuga Fires player and said, hey, you could have done this to win the game, which was he had mm-hmm. two Kiki-Jikis that were flipped on the board. He could have made a bunch of Kiki-Jikis on the Angel player's end step, and then he could have copied a bunch of Siege Rhinos to drain their life and then do right. it again and again and again. Um, and they're like, you you could have won because right. of that. It would That's have like taken every mana twice. you have is drained for three. Yeah. Um, Easy to kill someone that way. Yes. So, um, and that kind of shook that player a little bit. But the judge was sitting there the whole time and like heard the people say that and basically sat with him and was like, hey, if you need time to collect yourself before the next match, just make tell us, like get paired, sit down, and just tell a judge, hey, I need five minutes. I gotta calm down. I gotta. I'm getting flustered. He's like, if you mm-hmm. if people are flustering you, tell them, can you please go away? I need to focus. Um, and the judges are there to help you do that. Um, yeah, and they're like, we'll give you a time extension if yeah. you need to take some time. So. Um, which is very nice because when they watch your games, you do get flustered. It happened to me and Jeff. We were going long, and it was like, it's, it's nerve-wracking when people are watching. Like, everyone's watching yeah, you because yeah. you're the only game left, you know? And they, they, they walk up, and they're like, all right, you're the last one. And we're like, oh, God, okay. I, I want the game to end, but I want to win. <laughs> like, right. So I want to play well. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. so you can, you can get a little bit flustered. So try not to let that happen. Yeah, but the the judges are great, and you should, like, I think there's some people that feel like, oh, I'm telling on my opponent or something if I call a judge and say we did something wrong. Mm -hmm. But that's not really the case. Everyone understands. You always just call a judge. Um, Especially, I would say, I've seen too many people, like, take their opponent's word for how something works. 
Like, their opponent will be like, oh, I play this card, you know, the interaction works like this, so that's going to die. They're like, oh, okay, because they assume their opponent knows how their own cards work and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. If you're ever unsure, you just call a judge. Like, what's the big deal? The judge comes over, confirms that that's how it works. Now you know you're not, like, not that you want to accuse somebody of trying to take advantage of you. It's just that judges are experts in the rules, you're unsure of how these rules work at the moment, so you want an expert to explain it to you. Like, yeah, that's all. It's and an unbiased one too. Your opponent, even if they have great intentions, they're biased. Like they, they, they want to win. They want to win. So they will tell you about things that may help them, as opposed to stuff that won't. You know. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, but that was kind of my tournament, uh, Jeff. How was yours? Very similar. Uh, <laughs> also did not do well and had to, you know, pair against my co-host. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my first two, I think for me, the, the sort of storyline for the event for me was with Rakdos Sacrifice, I want to play against regular decks, I guess, like fair decks that just want to play creatures and spells and, you know, do that whole song and dance. Um, when I picked the deck the best decks in the format were Rakdos mid-range mono green ramp essentially I mean I won't go into exactly how the mono green deck works but you can think of it as a ramp deck and uh is it phoenix was like starting to get more and more popular and all three of those I think not necessarily like strong matchups for me in the sense that I should win them but I have game in, in all of them. Like, I, my deck, all of those decks play creatures. I like to interact with creatures. Um, and then I like to sort of drain the opponent out over a few turns. Um, what ended up happening in this event is that there's a lot of, like, non-interactive combo decks, which my deck is quite poor against. Like, yeah. I don't kill people fast enough to get under them. And I just don't slow you down. Like, Mm -hmm. the sort of the game plan is I'm going to, like, if you don't play creatures, I don't slow you down. Like, I can interact with your creatures, and I have inevitability because I have all these Mayhem Devils, Catam, and stuff. Like, I'm eventually going to win. But when you're playing a Lotus Field combo, which literally my opponent, like, beat me on turn four on the play with a combo that there's nothing I could do anything about... That's a horrible matchup. So I, my first two rounds was like, first one was Karuga, Five Color, Fires of Invention, which is an awful matchup because they have so much interaction. They have a lot of like life gain. They have big stuff. There's just no real way for me to win that match. My opponent was even saying that after, like, if you win, I must, like, I did something wrong. This matchup is, like, horrible for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the combo decks... So I miss, like, not that I misread the metagame necessarily, because, like I said, there's, you have to, because of card availability and, you know, the intricacies of building a deck in paper, I sort of had to choose early. Um, and I chose the deck that I like that's fun. But my first two rounds were against decks that were very, very challenging matchups, and I lost them. And then I got to play against creature decks. From there on out, I played against Rakdos, then I played, obviously, against you, and then I played against, uh, is it Phoenix? 
And those matches were a lot more fun because it felt like I... The first two matches was like I'm sitting there just waiting to die. Mm-hmm. My opponent's at like 17. Like there's just literally no chance for me. I need to like triple shrapnel blast you out of this game. Like there's just no chance for me to win. Hey, at least in Lotus Field combo, if you have Mayhem Devil out, they have to sacrifice two lands. So there's two triggers That's right true. there. true. It never came up, but it... it <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was a lot of fun, like... I think one big takeaway for me was like, even though I know how the deck works super well, I've played a lot of it. I was still making mistakes based on like tracking my own triggers. Cause there's a lot of triggers in the deck and I would forget to say one because I'm so used to arena doing it for me that I'd have to be like, um, and, and then it messes up your count. Cause the deck's all about very specifically counting to the right number. Oh, I need five triggers to kill that shieldred or you're at 11 i need to do 11 um and so you like miss a trigger somewhere and you're like oh now the whole play is bad because like Mm -hmm. i now have three damage on your shieldred and i only have one more thing to sack it's like ah this is like horrible um so there was a lot of that kind of stuff so that that's where the practice you mentioned would come in um like just literally even just goldfishing my deck playing it and calling out triggers like Mm -hmm. on my own I think would have helped I just sort of assumed I would be fine at it and yeah it's just been so long since I've played paper that (laughs) (laughs) tracking those triggers was was rough uh I also had an instance of like cheating quote-unquote but um it was basically just like when I played against my Rakdos mid-range opponent we both we both did a lot of stuff that was like wait a minute we can't do that um but the the one that i remember most is like my opponent just tapped their reckoner bank buster to draw a card it did not pay the two mana they did not have two mana available to do that and like they drew the card um did they draw i think i might have stopped them just in time but like if they had drawn that card that would have been a annoying because (laughs) you have to like think then now they've seen that you have to Mm -hmm. go back shuffle their deck and stuff but they what did happen is i caught it and i was like oh you have did you do you have two mana to pay for that it's like no no you're right i can't i can't do that but i forgot to um like he had already removed a counter from the bank buster gotcha and then later in the game he was able to remove the final counter and make a pilot but then I was like, wait, did we... I, I feel like you only activated that twice because there was that false mm-hmm. activation. Should you, you shouldn't have a pilot right now, right? Like, So we had to sort of and retroactively figure the, all of that out. Because I was like, whoa, whoa, don't draw that card. you know. Like, mm-hmm. But I wasn't paying attention to... He'd already moved the, the die the down thing. just one. Um, so that kind of stuff, it just happens. Like If you play in five matches in a paper event, I think it's bound to happen to you Mm -hmm. at least one like weird thing where uh you do something wrong because there's just so much to track it's hard to keep track of everything so moral of the story arena players don't cheat and paper players always do (laughs) exactly yeah paper players are cheaters yeah paper Uh, players are fucking cheaters especially arena players who then go try to play paper yeah we're Mm -hmm. like the biggest cheaters yeah because we're just so used to arena like it even taps my lands for me sometimes i just put cards down 
and I didn't pay for them. I didn't tap any lands. And my opponent's like, what lands did you tap for that? I'm like, oh, yeah. I got to do this. Because, like, on Arena, you just throw the card on the table, and it it's pays. It's so, for. yeah, it's so much faster. And also, like, playing some of those, like, oh, I guess I lose decks. Like, in Arena, you can just, like, give up. You can concede immediately and then jump into another match. But if you play it in... Or I, like, go get a sandwich or something. Yeah. When, when you used to play against... Uh, what was that? Like, Nexus of Fate? Yeah. Right? You're just like, oh... Okay. In paper, I'm sitting there, like, poking fun at my opponent a little bit, which was also fun. Mm-hmm. But they're, like, doing this combo that requires 45 actions. And I'm just, like, make cracking jokes wherever I can get yeah, everything. Trying to make... On Arena, I, I, like, go get a beer or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... Because you're, you're looking at the chess clock, because the chess clock matters on Arena. In paper, you don't have that. The, the, mm-hmm. There's no chess clock. So, like, if your opponent's taking a long time, then you might just draw. Like, you won't even finish the match. Where in Arena, your opponent just loses if they run out of their clock. Which is a big advantage in, in Arena, really. Being like, yeah, I didn't take as long to think. Uh, and yeah, then paper. it makes so much more sense. It'd just yeah. be Im- so hard to implement. Like, imagine actual chess clocks playing in paper. Anytime you pass priority, you have to hit the chess clock. Oh, God. So that confusing. Too much. Too many. Not just turns, just like whole things. And then you'd have to buy a bunch of chess clocks. No, I guess you'd use a phone. Anyway, I did want to say that cracking jokes is a big thing. Trying to make your opponent laugh is something that I, I found really important. Not like a, I'm going to trick them into doing right, bad things yeah, yeah. or ha- making bad plays because I'm doing this, but it made everything more enjoyable. So, like, if you're losing, even if you're winning, it, whatever, just, like, trying to remember, hey, my opponent's just like me. We're both here trying to play, um, trying to have a good time. If you can try to loosen them up as much as you can. So uh, the joke I kind of had was I didn't have the right tokens for um, Skyclave Apparition. I just had, like, random tokens I was giving people. Uh, and mm-hmm. one guy used a Yu-Gi-Oh card he had as a token, which was awesome. I was like, great. It was like a little corn. It was like a guy who was like, he was like an animated corn guy. It was really weird. But anyway. Um, it's a Yu-Gi-Oh card? <laughs> yeah. It was a, Yu-Gi-Oh cards can be weird. Um, yeah. But anyway, one of my opponents, he uh, had a Fable of the Mirror Breaker and he made, he had like the Goblin Shaman token. And then he played another Fable and put out, he's like, I don't have the token. So he just flipped over one of it's like some card, and that was going to be the token. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. If you don't have the token, you if you don't have the real token, you can't have the token. Like, you, you got to have the real one. And he looks at me yeah. like I'm like I'm seriously <laughs> like telling him he can't do that. And I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's fine. I was like, I'm using this bullshit. I'm using, like, a weird art card as my token. It's You're fine. Um, and so then he laughed, and then we got, we got to release a little bit of tension. That's like, you know. Because you can get a little too focused. Not too focused, but, you know, got to remember the breathe a little bit. Put some life into the game. You know, it's fun. It's a game. We should be playing. It's all about, you know, just don't forget that. I think it was a really important thing uh, going into... For sure. Specifically, these types of tournaments where they seemingly don't have anything like that in them. And I think that's just false. It's it's just yeah something people say and... Who've never I'm not really sure where that narrative comes from. Like, I think there's a f- one or two bad eggs, or not, maybe not even bad egg, mm-hmm. but like people who take it very seriously, um, which is their prerogative. But most of the people I find ha- in my experience have been like 
happy to joke around with you and like you know it, it's not like a yeah don't talk to me unless it's about explaining a game action that or whatever you're taking. yeah um it's just not the case exactly. like i had my o2 start against the the like non-interactive decks but b- both those opponents were very nice and like mm-hmm. you know we were joking around and having fun like uh like my lotus field opponent for those who don't know like the goal is to use thespian stage to copy lotus field lotus field taps for three but you have to sack two lands on it and etbs but if you copy one and it's already in play you don't have to sack the land so you just get like a a second lotus field that now taps for three sort of for free my opponent had like lotus field thespian stage and temple of mystery or something and my opponent's going into the tank, like, calculating, basically, if I'm dead. Spoiler alert, I was indeed dead. Um, but they keep untapping that. They generate a ton of mana. They play, like, omniscience, and they go get whatever. However they want to kill you after that is, is you know, up to them. They have a bunch of tutors to get whatever card they need. But my opponent's, like, because they're in the tank, he's just like, oh, uh, okay, activate Despian stage. Um, then I'm going to, like, and then he starts... Talking about his next play, so I'm I'm just like going along with him. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then he's like, activate Despian stage. I'm like, cool, cool. Copy uh, Temple of Mystery. Yep. Uh, and because you can copy any land, right? And he's like, uh huh, yeah. Then, or like he didn't actually verbally acknowledge that. He was just like, like thinking about his next play. He's like, wait, no, no, no. I'm I'm copying Lotus Field. He like looks up at me, and I just have a smile on my face. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I I know you're copying Lotus Field. Like. <laughs> I didn't really believe that you were copying Temple of Mystery, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, those players may have run into people or worry about people doing something like that to them. And that's Trying like... To angle shoot. Yeah. And the, like that's angle shooting where you're like, oh, well, you said that you were, you know, and then they call a judge. And that's the kind of... Those are the kind of shitty players that we're talking about that we don't see a lot of them. I didn't run into anybody like that. Apparently, I am that, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you are the angle shooter. I'm the angle shooter. I'm the shitty guy. I've never played against somebody like that. Um, I've heard of it. Like, I've heard stories Mm -hmm. of people, even at our events, like, oh, did you see what the person at table three did or whatever? Um, I've never actually encountered it. You have encountered slow players, though. I've heard stories about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the worst I've seen. Someone who was, like, intentionally playing slow to try to get the draw Mm -hmm. and then bragged about that later. That's like... That's a weird thing to yeah. brag about. All right. He's <laughs> bragging about cheating. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't lose that match, but I also didn't win. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, we kind of have a list of things. Just These are just normal life things to remember for the most part. But mm-hmm. when you get focused in the game, sometimes magic can like twist your mind a little bit. And you just get so drilled in and focused on what you're doing that you can forget about normal things like... Getting some good sleep the night before the tournament. Um, a lot of these things, if you're traveling, which I'm assuming if it's your first tournament, you're probably not traveling that far. But maybe don't go out. <laughs> we are always telling you to like go drink beers and have fun with your friends. Maybe maybe just have a cap on it the night before. You know, you don't have to yeah. not go out. I'm not going to ever tell you not to drink a beer. But like maybe don't 
start doing shots. Maybe that's it. Don't shoot shots the night before you're, you got a tournament. This used to happen to me all the time where I'd schedule some magic tournaments. Like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to play Saturday morning or Sunday morning at this place, this PTQ. And I'd have nothing on my schedule. And then somebody, like, or, like late in the week would be like, hey, man, I'm having a sick rager Friday night. I'm like, it's a party Saturday night. we got to go. And I'd always be like, all right, all right, fine. And then I go and then like hung over the next day and I lose I lose one of my first two matches and then I lock in and start to do really well but now I have bad breakers because I've lost in like the <laughs> early rounds just it seemed to happen every time that if I had a magic tournament scheduled somebody would want me to like they would have some party that pops up the night before and I was too dumb to like not go yeah or too dumb to go you know yeah what I'm to not also like you can go, but you don't have to go hard. But sometimes it's hard because you want to be, you know, if you're in that setting, you want to be the life of the party. And sometimes yeah. you just have to be like, you know what? I won't be this time. And uh, it, that can be hard to do sometimes. Um, but other normal things you should do on a tournament day. Take a shower. Feel your best. Wear nice clothes. Wear, just feel good. That's a big thing. Right. I kind you want to be comfortable, for sure. Yeah. Feel comfortable. Um, if I take a shower and like shave and stuff, that usually makes me feel really good about myself. So mm-hmm. do those kinds of things. The old joke, wear deodorant because it's so smelly in there. Um, <laughs> sure. Yes. It, it, personal hygiene is important. And if you tend to forget to take care of yourself, um, there may be some other things going on in your life, uh, that you might mm-hmm. need to work out. It might not just be a lazy thing, but, um, yeah, do those things, but our tournament was definitely not the sweaty room. I need to leave. No, to I, didn't, I didn't find that at all. Kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm sure that might be in some places, but um, it that just doesn't need to be something we necessarily perpetuate. But also, hey, feel yeah. good, smell good. It's not a big deal. Something weird that you have to do, just like be early. Get your deck registered because you have to write all your cards down, which is something we don't normally have to do. And other things like bring water with you and food. Food, food, food. Eat. Yeah, that one's huge. Eat before you go because there are not always vendors selling food wherever you are or coffee. Jeff and I didn't have coffee for the very beginning. And luckily, I like got pretty wrecked pretty early in my first match against Lotus Combo, so I ran out to get his coffee because I was like, I'm going to need something. Yeah, I was playing against, like, five-color fires. They don't kill fast, so I took all the time. But Lotus Field, like, wins on turn four. So. Yeah, on turn four you can be... I let him go through the combo once, and then the next time he was on the combo, I was just like, yep, you got it. You, got it. you win. Sure. I'm. Yeah. You have Omniscience and you cast a tutor. I'm pretty good to concede. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, don't, I think we're done. So... Um, yeah, the eating thing is huge. Like, even when they had chip trucks or, like, this event that Zach and I went to had no food uh, in the actual event hall. There was no, you know, whatever, food trucks or, like, coffee stands or anything literally like nothing. that. There's nothing. Ones I've been to in the past, like, pre-COVID, did have those things, like, stalls set up, essentially, that, that sold food. But even when I went to those events, it's very difficult to eat between rounds because... Rounds are like 50 minutes. It's a pretty tight timeline when you're playing in paper magic 
against somebody like it does it sounds like a lot of time but then it's it's not really like you're always surprised how little time you have before the next round and the lines are long at these things Mm -hmm. so even when those things were there i generally found like the only way i got to eat was if i was somehow done my match in like 10 minutes which is quite rare um so yeah just make sure you like eat something beforehand because there's the distinct possibility you know your tournament's at 10 a.m that you might not eat till like two or three you know? yeah and if you do really well that you know there's gonna be a top eight and everything so like bring yeah. some sort of i don't know granola bars or cliff bars or whatever you have in your bag and bring water because just having it by you kind of on the ground or in your bag um is really helpful because hey hydration is also good for your brain who knew not me but those are weird things they sound like dumb things to remind you of but like when you're in your house playing on arena those things are all by you you have a bathroom close by like you can wear comfy clothes you can be in your pajamas you there's food all that kind of stuff if we play an arena opens you don't have to you don't have to worry about times like you just play and you stop to go eat lunch like these events exactly you, you can't so literally me and jeff were just trying to figure out like do we go to a draft event or do we just get some food because we're hungry and we ended up just yeah. getting food and beers because we're like we i'm i just want that right now i don't need to do something else yeah so. we both went two three in this event yeah uh, we had like the misfortune of matching in round four which is like the worst possible thing because when you get your third loss you're eliminated we were both at one and two. Yeah, we were at one and two. So it meant one of us for sure was like done because mm-hmm. a draw knocks us both out and then a win knocks out whoever didn't win. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, team kills, man. We were even joking about it before yeah. it happened. It's like, ah, what are the chances we get paired against each other? And then it's like, ah, we got paired against each other. Yeah. So I even, like, made a joke in our Discord. I was like, just take out all of your, like, anti-Rakdos sacrifice <laughs> stuff in your side. I was like, yeah, because I'm ever going to get paired against you. No one's going to play Rakdos. That could be fine. <laughs> then we go to the match, and I'm like, fuck. Where's all my sideboard stuff? I don't have any sideboard cards against your deck. That's not true. I had one. Um, and it came in handy. So, <laughs> another thing people mention, like, in your deck box or just the things that you bring in general, try not to bring too many cards. In your deck box, only mm-hmm. keep your deck, your sideboard, and your tokens. No other random cards, even if they're not sleeved, because things can look iffy. Yeah, so this is important to call out. Um, people might not know how this works. It's not an issue online, but basically you're not allowed, just like in an online or a lot of online events, you're not allowed to change your deck between rounds. You're not allowed to, like, oh, this sideboard card's not working out. I'm going to swap it. So you have to write down what your what is your deck at the very start. And then you give it to the judges, and they have a big pile of everyone's deck. But they can't... It's, t- it's too inefficient, it's too time-consuming to actually check everyone. Like, hey, give me your deck, show me that you are playing the cards that you said you are playing. And I'll, you know, verify that. So what they do is they randomly take decks. So what'll happen is... You have shuffled your deck, and you present it to your opponent, meaning you've given your deck to your opponent because they have to shuffle it to ensure you're not cheating. Um, When you do that, the judge will swoop in at whatever random table has been selected, so you don't know that you've been selected and you were just about to, like, let your opponent shuffle your deck. 
and then they will take your decks and verify that the cards that you've presented to your opponent are the ones that you wrote down. That's how they sort of try to stop the deck potential deck cheating, is just do it randomly, and you'll never know when they're going to check you. What that means, though, is like, if you, if you have cards that are not in your list, in your deck box, that can be a problem. They take your deck, they take your sideboard, they take the box that you're using. If you forgot to side, like take your sideboard cards out from the previous round, one still in your deck when you presented it, that's a problem. You now look like, to, from their eyes, they can't distinguish from an honest mistake and cheating. And so there's a few more like technical things to worry about here. And that's what Zach's saying. Like, don't bring extra cards. I've lost games because I had an extra card that I was considering from my deck and eventually decided not to play it. And I just had it in the same deck box as like a, you know, well, it's convenient. Let's, let's hold everything in the same box. Even though that card was in a different sleeve than the rest of my deck, I still was penalized for that. I still got a game loss for a deck list violation. That was a long time ago, and they've gotten a little more lenient, but still, like that's the type of stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so just don't don't have extra cards. You have your 75, and you have any tokens you might need, stuff like that. That's fine. But don't have, oh, the sideboard card that I cut last minute is still in my deck box. Um, you make sure you put that somewhere else. Yeah. And that somewhere else is hopefully not a bunch of other cards. Just because, like, it's totally fine to bring a backpack or whatever, but you want to make sure that you know where it is, keep your leg around it. These are events where people do snag things. You know, it happens every once in a while there's a big event. Someone's collection gets stolen. Um, somebody's looking at your trade binder and you look away and you look back and they're gone. Or your bag just gets snagged from wherever. Or even in your car, somebody might take your collection that you brought your whole collection in the parking garage. And I'm just saying that this does happen, so be wary of that. If you have commander decks you want to play, or obviously bring those. You know, all those like side event things, have that stuff with you, but you don't need to bring the, the cream of the crop, all your best stuff with you. It's heavy. You have to keep track of it, and you want to spend your like mental energy focusing on the tournament as opposed to, where are my belongings? I hope they're not getting stolen. Yeah. So, yeah, all the normal things. Um, one really last thing is that when you're talking with your opponent, you just want to be very clear and mm-hmm. communicate very well all the things you're doing. Like Jeff was talking about triggers earlier. Uh, you want to make sure that they know where all the triggers are going and um, you don't want to speak too quickly or play too fast so that things get muddled because people will try to interact with stuff at certain times and it can get a little confusing. Um, so you always want to be on the same page. Uh, if there's any question, oh, did you tap that for this or did stop and ask, you know, talk to your opponent, um, mm-hmm. all those things are really, really important and something we don't deal with on arena. So communicating, huge, uh, huge, huge, huge. Yeah. Jeff, I did look up a couple things on Reddit to see if we missed anything. Um, oh, this will be this will be good and important. Yeah, uh, but you know, all of them were the normal kinds of things that we had already kind of run through. Um, I did see someone say, uh, 
just get ready because you're going to see a lot of butt cracks, but that's normal, so don't panic, <laughs> uh, which I thought was kind of funny. I didn't happen to yeah. see any butt cracks on this, but, you know, whatever. Sometimes people just forget their belt or don't wear belts yeah. or, <laughs> I don't know, their pants don't fit. But that just happens in life, though. You see butt cracks. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, like, <laughs> men that have pants that don't fit very well. You'll, you'll uh, still see that. Um, as well as, Jeff, uh, playing mind games with your opponents always fun. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, a good way to do that is you can just, you know, call your opponent daddy a lot. It throws them off. Mm-hmm. Completely. Where was this tip before the tournament? Yeah, exactly. I, I could have used this. Um, pass the turn to you, Daddy. I tap four mana, Daddy, and I'm going to cast this big hole, Daddy. <laughs> I guess that's about a creature, but um, that all sounds awesome. We can be like Elishnor and talking to Karn uh, about yeah. how, <laughs> what a Daddy And you is. don't get to do that on Arena because there's no Daddy emote. So. What the hell is that? Why didn't we get a sticker or, or something that said, like, it's... Maybe we'll get it in... Um, the the Phyrexia plane we're going to. Um, all will be one. I was joking. I was joking with my first round opponent about like, I should only communicate with arena emotes oh. throughout the entire game. Like, and just bring big speech bubbles that have the arena emotes. And just like pull out the <laughs> hello. one that I want to use. Hello, hello. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Good game. Nice. Good game, good game, good game, good game. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I did... See, uh, a friend of ours on Twitter had posted uh, when I was asking kind of about um, advice for new new Paper Magic players. They were just saying that uh, when you <laughs> blame the shuffler for your bad draws, um, the shuffler is you. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> ah, shuffler's rigged. Hey, no lands. Next hand, all lands. Ah, shuffler's rigged. This is Watsy garbage. Uh, I thought that was yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> always a good time to, to just complain about the shuffling. Um, but before we go into last call, I said this before, but I re- want to reiterate it again, that this is a game, so have fun and take your time. Play at your own pace. Don't let anybody make you go too fast or too slow. Uh and just enjoy unless it's a judge saying you need to well yeah of course of course if the judge is telling you (laughs) then uh, you should listen to the judge um but have a uh have a good time don't rush through it really uh sometimes you can get a little bit too caught up in things not just from a game perspective of like you're uh missing things or or uh just going too quickly and and not reading your cards correctly like me uh, but also, you know, you don't know how many times you'll be able to do this. So being able to soak in as much of that as you can, uh, always a good thing. Live your life to the fullest. And playing in a magic tournament is definitely living your life to the fullest, I think. That's right. Um, it's a really good time. If you haven't tried it, I highly recommend doing it so that you can get your own experience from it. As opposed to just having to listen to us or other people talk about it. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, even though I went two three with like an after an O two start, which means you know, you're, you're about as bad a start as, as possible. Like your outlook mm-hmm. is not good at that point. I still had a blast. Like everyone, super nice. Um, I got to play against five totally different decks, which is always a cool thing. It's not just like oh, losing to the same deck over and over again. Um, 
and yeah, I didn't run into any opponents that were not like friendly or, you know, funny or willing to have a laugh. So, um, if you're like feeling nervous about doing it, I'd say, you know, take that leap because it's, it's super fun. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also, if you have any questions, just come on to our Discord. We'd love to talk to you about it and kind of ease you in. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not a pro by any sense. Obviously, this is my first one, but I'd love to get more people excited about things like this because it's really exciting to me. It made me just, I, I want to do the next one. Jeff, I think it's in Ottawa. Um, oh, yeah, so. that's, that's my hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, maybe we'll have to head up to that one. But anyway, for the time being, it is last call. So, we're going to rate the beers of the evening and pick our favorite for last. As always, we rate our beers on a scale of bronze to mythic, just like the tiers in Arena. Uh, This has nothing to do with what tier you are currently. It's just a fun way to rate beers because we've all been in different tiers at different times. And uh, yeah, with that being said, bronze beers are trash. They're horrible. We hate them. You have to pour them down the drain. They are the homebrew that I made that has too much, uh, <laughs> I said this last episode, I think, but there's too much sediment in the bottom, so when you open it up, you can't even drink it. It just spills out everywhere. Fucked it up. You fucked up. You fucked up real bad. <laughs> Silver beers uh, basically are just uninteresting. They're not terrible. They're just boring. Mac- a lot of macro brews tend to find themselves here. Yeah. Gold beers are fine, but you won't drink them very often. Platinum beers are solid. You would definitely drink it again. Diamond beers are exceptional, and you would recommend these to your friends and drink them after a tournament. Yeah. And Mythic, well, these are the best of the best. You would go to a tournament because it's near a place that has one of these beers. Ooh. Well, there's some good (laughs) beers in Ottawa. I might have to go to that tournament. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, Anyway, Jeff, do you have the beer that you want to pick i guess for the night i do all right i think i know what you have but here we go three two one enchant piper (laughs) enchanté enchanté not uh all right not super surprising i no let's let's talk about um monday night piper uh the one that you picked sure yeah um so this one was interesting to me i thought it was pretty good but I will say it wasn't really what I was expecting. It was kind of like light and sweet. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe because we'd been calling it an English ale for weeks, <laughs> like English ales are like really malty mm-hmm. and sort of the other end of the, uh, like sort of just completely different stylistically. This was almost like a, a darkish lager with some sweetness. Um, but it was good. Uh, and I just, it wasn't quite what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like had it. Scott, it, Scottish it ales a that little were bit like different Scotch than I was, ales. Yeah, it was a little different you know I mean? than I was expecting. Um, but I think what they were kind of explaining, uh, the toffee definitely came through. Uh, mm-hmm. so I did like it. I think it is good. I honestly thought that these were really close to me. Um, they're, I'm sorry, close at, in rating very different in beers yeah i was like what they're not even remotely similar (laughs) sorry (laughs) so i could have kind of gone either way but i thought i'd stay on brand with uh, the ashante 
but um, I, I feel exactly the same way. This was more just like a stylistic choice mm-hmm. for me rather than I think one beer rather than thinking one beer like did its job better or, you know, did a better was a better example of its style. It was more I just tend to prefer that's this style of beer to the other one. But they're like razor thin, like very close in yeah. terms of quality. I think they're top. super close. Um, so with that. You know, I'm probably going to give this a, a platinum. I think it's really solid. Yeah. Uh, I like it m- much better than some of the other ones we've had from Second Wedge. Uh, I, I think we started a little bit low and we're coming higher now. Um, yeah. So we'll see yeah. how we finish out with them. But of those ones, this, you know, if I order more, this will be the beer that I would want to drink. Um, yeah, I think I'll get this one. For sure. Uh, yeah, this one's platinum for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So going on to Enchante. Enchante. How do you say it? Is it en, Enchante? Why do you say this, Tim? Enchante. Enchante. All right. Um, so different than what I was expecting. Normally, tart cherry, awesome. Wheat, not as excited about. And uh, yeah. I didn't really get a lot of wheat, so that was perfect. I was like, great. Right. This is so nice. I feel like here the wheat was just a neutral base so that you actually taste the cherry and mm-hmm. taste the um, tartness. Yeah. Definitely comes through. Um, yeah, this was good. I thought it was good. Um, I don't know how many I could actually drink of this. Like, if we're going between the two of them and being like, if I had to drink one more yeah. right now, I would probably have the Monday Night Piper, just because I could have probably more of those before, before this one. It's, it's more, yeah, more like, I don't want to say more drinkable, but it's more like uh, crushable. Yeah, cru- like sessionable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this one had a little bit more of an identity of its own, which I liked. Um, so, yeah, that's why I picked it. But I'm also going to give it platinum. Um, I wasn't yeah. blown away, but... Uh, I was kind of on the fence of like, if it tastes too weedy, I'm going to be off it pretty hard. And Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't. It's a bit juicier than that, um, which is... I think I was expecting that too. Mm -hmm. Like more just like a wheat ale that has a bit of cherry going on. And then I was sort of pleasantly surprised that it's almost more of a sour that wheat just happened to have been used as the base. Yeah. Or, or, you know, like a juicy beer or whatever. Exactly. Um, Or like, it's a almost a sour, but the most of the flavors at the front of your mouth instead of the back and around your right yeah that kind of feel and um doesn't have that puckeriness so yeah i liked yeah. it these are both pretty clear platinums mm-hmm. to me though. very very clear solid love it all right so now that the beers are finished and the podcast is over it's time for closing time you can always reach us at arena regulars on twitter and instagram or you might find us on MTG Arena itself. We'll be under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. If you want to find me personally, you can find me at Zulberg, that is Z E U L B E R G, on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? Best place to find me is on our Discord. My name is Regular Jeff on the Discord. And once again, you should be able to find the uh, link to our Discord in the show notes. And I'm Regular Zach there too. So find me there as well. Um, also please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts on iTunes follow us on Spotify at all the places you're listening to us right now Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel leave a comment any place that you can give us feedback we would love to get it it goes a long way it makes us feel awesome 
And uh, so you should do that. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that Zach is a cheater. Good night. All right, that's fine.